KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. The FDA recently proposed a ban on menthol flavored cigarettes, and this would be big, especially for the black community, because for years they've really been targeted by tobacco companies, and advocates are pushing to have this ban finalized as quickly as possible. We wanted to dig into this topic, so we spoke with Portia Reddick White. She is the vice president for strategic partnerships for the Campaign for Tobacco Free Kids, and also Del Monte Jefferson, executive director of the Center for Black Health and Equity, and we talked to both of them about the history of the black community and menthol cigarettes, how much damage has been done, and what No Menthol Sunday is all about. Give a listen. Del Monte, I will start with you. If you could just, how did menthol cigarettes and the black community, how did this kind of come together? You know, this targeting, this association, how did it start? Well, it actually started with the tobacco industry. In fact, it's interesting you say that because some people sometimes ask me, they said, uh, Damani, why does your organization focus on menthol? And I say, well, we don't focus on menthol. Menthol focuses on us. And so it started it with the targeting of our communities way back in the 1950s, using our athletes at that point in time and, and actors and other celebrities to really push menthol in our communities. And they've been doing it ever since. And so that's how this thing really started. The tobacco industry deciding that African-Americans and other marginalized populations would be a market that they would really push their products to, their deadly products to. And it's been happening ever since. Portia, what is, as someone who doesn't smoke and has never smoked, what is the difference menthol to a regular cigarette? Are they more addictive, harder to quit? Kind of take us through that. Good question. Yes, they are more addictive. And yes, they are harder to quit. Now, I've never smoked myself either. But from what I understand, what happens is the, especially the menthol that's in these cigarettes, uh, this anesthetic, so to speak, it numbs the throat and it makes the harshness of the cigarette smoking easier, right? So it masks that harshness. It makes it easier for kids to try to smoke. It makes it easier for those who smoke to eventually get hooked. Uh, they breathe it really deeply down in their lungs. And so menthol um, makes it addictive with that nicotine that's added, harder to quit. And the bottom line is that because a lot of young people do start smoking early and they what they do smoke is these menthol cigarettes. And especially the fact that the uh, among the case of a black American, the African-American who have been targeted by the industry, the tobacco industry. That's why we need to make sure that this whole menthol cigarette FDA uh, proposal is adopted and it's moved forward because it is bad on our health. Damonte, how prevalent is the menthol use in the Black and African-American community? Can you give me some context? Yeah, yeah. Just think about this. When they started pushing this in our communities back in the 1950s, we smoked menthol. Uh, cigarettes at about 5% of our population who smoke smoke menthol. Right now, that number is up to 88%. 88% of African-Americans that smoke, smoke mentholated tobacco products. Now, that's that's absolutely insane, you know, and it just shows you the prevalence of the, the marketing and the targeting of this product in our communities. Portia, you mentioned the FDA. There is 
if I'm understanding correctly, a proposal to ban? Is that where we are now along the line of, of getting these off the shelves? Well, yeah, last month, um, actually it was the 29th of April, the FDA made an announcement that they plan to start the process to ban menthol cigarettes. Now, in order to be fair, they've got to open up a, uh, a period where people can make comments, the comment period. It's got to last for at least 60 days when they finally do open that. And folks will be able to make a comment whether they think this is a good thing to do for the uh, community and for those who are addicted to the product or if it's a bad thing. So we know that this step that they will be taking is really a huge momentous step because it has targeted this menthol product, the tobacco industry through it. Uh, They've targeted the black community and kids with this deadly product. So it might take a bit for this to really complete and and go through. And there's a possibility that once they do uh, make a decision to ban or not to ban, whatever, there will be some, some legal challenges from probably the tobacco industry if they do go ahead and uh, make this regulation happen. So we want it to happen as quick, as fast as possible. And so we're calling on the FDA to stand up to Big Tobacco and to just move this uh, process so that they can save, so we can save and save lives and protect kids as well. Del Monte, what is No Menthol Sunday? Uh, No Menthol Sunday, something near and dear to my heart. Um, Back in 2014, we had a conference, a faith-based conference, where we brought together pastors from across the country uh, just to ask them, what is it that we can do and how can we engage the faith community? And the response from them, what they said was, we should have one day where all pastors or most pastors from across the country spoke out from their pulpits about the harms of mentholated tobacco products. And that's how No Menthol Sunday was born. It's the third Sunday in May and it's coming up this Sunday on May 16th. Uh, And it's where pastors from across the country, last year, there were over 155 different churches that participated from various states. I think there was at least 28 states. But where there was speak out about the harms of mentholated tobacco products from the pulpit. And and then the second thing it does is it encourages those congregations to abstain, either as a group or as a small group, abstain from tobacco products, particularly mentholated tobacco products, for a week, for a month, for a year, but to abstain. So we want to promote cessation. And then thirdly, it engages those same congregations in advocacy efforts at the local level to ban the sale of mentholated tobacco products. And so we've developed a toolkit that supports it. It's on our website, nomenthalsunday.org. And we'd encourage folks who are interested to go to that website, download the toolkit, and engage in No Menthol Sunday. I want to follow up with you, Del Monte. You talked about the, the targeting earlier, and you gave us the history. How has the targeting evolved from the 50s to now? Because that's one of the, I don't know, for lack of a better word, insidious things about these things evolve, where when you become conscious of one thing, it's kind of attacking you from a different direction. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Started very slowly, of course, you know, with the advertisements and, and billboards and magazines. You know, we I grew up and I saw the jet magazines and they always had the tobacco ad on the very back of the cover there. It always did. And in the middle pages, Ebony, Ebony Jet, our magazines. It went, of course, to getting our celebrities. It Then it went to the Camel Joes. You remember Camel Joe, who everyone knew was an African-American, the way he dressed and the way he acted and the way he walked. And so Camel Joe, 
Uh, we had those advertisements, and they, and we talked about the um the, the in our communities. I get this: you you take the cigarettes, menthol cigarettes, and you make them cheaper in black communities, easier for folks to purchase, easier for folks to get. You may take advertisements and billboards, and you make them larger and on storefronts, and then there's more of them. And so all these little ways and all these tricks, uh, it came to the cool jazz. Remember, they had the remix on the packages. They had four packages of cigarettes, and you had to, it was a collector's item, and it was a DJ mixing, and you had to collect all four to win a prize. All of these are tactics that they use in terms of marketing to our populations. And, and I just want to show you now, we didn't sit back and just say, okay, this is fine. We fought back. Back in the 1990s, R.J. Reynolds came up with a new product. They called it Uptown, marketed specifically for African-Americans in Philadelphia. Well, the Black community said, no, we don't want these products. They resisted. They protested. They got the secretary, HHS secretary, uh, Lewis Sullivan, involved, and they wrote a letter to RJR, and they said, no, we don't want these products. Take these products out of our communities, and they pushed them back at that point in time. And so we, you know, during their years of trying to be savvy and come up with these products, um, in our communities and and paying off our leaders and paying off spokespersons for their products. And, and yes, they did do that. They went to African-American community leaders and they paid them to push their argument, to push the tobacco industry's points. They did that for years. They did that for two, in 2009. And unfortunately, some of these same groups are using the same arguments even today as to why this ban is not a good idea. So their targets are many and plentiful. Portia, my final question will go to you. What is your level of confidence that this will get across the finish line? The more folks like you, Matt, the more people like you open up the opportunity and the doors to get out to the community, really the fact of uh, of the history of this targeting, the, the history of what the tobacco industry has done year after year for decades, right? And how they fought in 2009 and how they're fighting now and how they're trying to divide the community against this change, this change that will save lives. By the way, 45,000 people a year, African-Americans die of tobacco-related illnesses. So the more folks get out this word that um, a change needs to come, a change has to come, no more just giving out their cigarettes. By the way, one thing that the, that DeMonte uh, mentioned, he talked about how the, they market it. Even when they marketed, they gave away free products and, and they continued these kind of tactics. Uh, they're still doing that in areas, just so you know. It might not be a cigarette, but it's an e-cigarette or something like that. So the more people like you open up the door for the community to know exactly what's going on and what's at stake, the change will come, and we're going to continue to fight tooth and nail until it does. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.